Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings a wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. What? Start over. What? Sorry. Go ahead. That was Jeff Pitchell's Fat Cigar you were just <laughs> listening to. And that means it's time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. Coming at you live from Twins Smoke Shop's studio headquarters in snowy Hooksit, New Hampshire. Be sure to subscribe to us on Podbean, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes, Google, basically wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Pastor Padron. And I'm here with my co-hosts, Nick and Dave. Paul is off tonight. And we have very special guest, Kurt Kendall, with us tonight. Kurt, it's so awesome to have you here, old flannel man. <laughs> it is a true honor to master have you Master of here. all flannel. The master of flannel. The maestro of flannel. The maestro of Matafina. The maestro of Matafina. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> now... Um, if you spend any time at all around Twin Smoke Shops, you're going to start hearing stories about Kurt's vault, his private collection of cigars. And tonight, we're going to talk with him about his passion for collecting and aging and sharing premium cigars and to give you a peek inside this vault that is so often spoken of and you see a sample of it here out in front of you but i'm not going to steal his thunder about that but uh first what are we smoking tonight uh kurt i'm almost like afraid to ask i'm just like i'm shaking well in anticipation i haven't opened this yet this might possibly be sawdust we don't know what's in <laughs> This is a box of Ashton VSGs from, it looks like a, the date was June 2005. June 2005. Oh. So this was a sampler pack that is in a cedar box. Yep. Look at that. Wow. Carlito Foy, they still yep. put those in there? Yes, they do. Only in the VSGs. And uh, so these. this uh, was a sampler. Of the uh, BSG line, uh, I'm, I don't recall what year they came out. Okay, but this has got to be pretty close to pretty close to the, the first. Here, hold that up for the hold it up at the camera there, so people can see that. Look at that. That's fifteen and a half years old. It's beautiful. That is amazing. Nice. That's better than the Mona Lisa. <laughs> so we got five cigars here. Well, I'm gonna. If you don't mind, I'm going to pull this one. Take That's it. totally fine. And then who wants to pick second? Let the pastor. Pastor? Let the pastor pick. I'll pick second. Okay. I would like this one here. Dave? I'll take the shorty. You'll take the shorty? Yeah. And Nick, that leaves big and fat or tall <laughs> and thin? 
And I know what you're going uh, to pick. (laughs) (laughs) Big and bad, baby. I think each one says uh, the size on it. Yep. I love them thick. Yep. This is the uh, uh, VSG Robusto that I have here. And that's one of my favorite sizes, actually. VSG Bellocoso over here. Now, let's look at the... you can see the yellow. Yep, the cello is uh, yellowed cello. cello. Look at cello. that! Ooh. Unbelievable. I have the sorcerer. You have the sorcerer, which is basically a Churchill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you are the sorcerer. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, my lord, my lord. Uh, oh, let's cut these babies and see what we got here. This is beautiful. Oh, all right. Feel well, like, it feels good. It looks good. Nice brown cello. Yep. 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 Oh, boy. Nick, can oh. I use your uh, COVID cutter? Yes, you can. <laughs> Absolutely. The draw's nice on that. Mm. All right. It's always a gamble pulling uh, cigars out of a vault or yeah. out of the uh, long-term storage because you don't know what's going to happen to it over the years. Mm, it's true. So when this cigar came out, the yeah. Ashen VSG... This was one of the strongest, richest, fullest-bodied blends on the market. This was like uh, some of the first full-bodied smokes. And I recall people trying it saying, wow, that's really strong or, you know, almost like too much. So I think over the years that cigar, to me, has mellowed out a bit from the beginning. But this is going to... Who knows what this is going to do? Mm. Well, it is very smooth and very cedary. Oh, yeah. You can totally taste the cedar on this bad boy. Lauren would be very proud that this was one of the cigars you brought out. Maybe even a little jealous. Maybe even jealous. I would say more jealous. More jealous? I would say probably be more jealous. Yeah, the cold draw on this thing is crazy. Mm. Like, you don't even want to light it. Mm. I didn't even want to cut it. I felt like a sin. Well, the draw is amazing. The burn is, uh, you can tell, you know, flawless. It's These held up really well. You did a good job. Uh, Where'd you keep these? Keep these in your freezer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the basement. The in the basement in the freezer. Oh my goodness. They're right next to some I had a couple of cartons of Marlboros. There you go. <laughs> some old coffee. Some, some palm oils. <laughs> All right. Now, um what is it that you've paired with the uh uh ancient Ashton VSGs here? Well, probably somewhere in and around that time frame, I went to the Dominican Republic. I don't, I'm not a, it might have been my first trip, and mm-hmm. it was a trip with General Cigar. Mm-hmm. When I got there, we were in a beautiful hotel, the uh, Grand Almirante, mm-hmm. and on the bed was a gift basket, and in that gift basket was a bottle of rum. Now, while I was there, I didn't open the rum. I, I actually brought it home with me, and I cracked that open weeks or a month later mm. and that's when i first discovered like really good sipping rum so i did everything i could 
to find this rum again, but I couldn't find it in New Hampshire. So on a trip to uh, Miami, mm -hmm. I was down there with Marvin Samuel at his place. And believe it or not, we were smoking original VSG, I mean, uh, Liga Privadas. Really? Uh, before <laughs> they were named, uh, you know, so we were we smoked, I believe, the uh, Liga number four, I think at number three, and a couple other uh, blends. And he was, they were selecting uh, those cigars at the time uh, prior to naming it the, the number nine. So uh, wow. in Miami, I found the Ron Barcelo rum, which mm -hmm. is what I had gotten in the uh, Dominican Republic. It's this uh, Imperiale that I love so much that mm -hmm. I couldn't find in New Hampshire. So uh, I bought a case of it in uh, Miami, and I shipped it home. So I figured, what a better way to uh, smoke some old cigars and bringing back the memory of uh, good old rum. Sure, and VSGs just—they go fantastic with rum. That they do. Yeah, it's just a fantastic thing. Nick, uh, there's a uh, Adam is uh, watching, and he uh, asked me to remind you not to uh, pick your nose. Oh, excellent! I'll make sure that I won't. <laughs> Thank you, Adam. Appreciate it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is incredible! Very, very nice. Now, um, Kurt, was there a specific time when your private collection went from being called your private stash or to a vault? When did it? I mean, I, when I think vault, I think, you know an immense collection yeah. of stuff i mean when when did that phraseology start to describe your uh you know I, honestly i really don't know i don't know where that came from mm -hmm. i how my collection started was in years past we had these old petriaca cigar cases they were slant front low cases that you would see in a drugstore back in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm on the back of those is where you would fill the humidifier. You'd slide open, you'd pull the case out, slide the back door open, fill your humidification device. Well, once upon a time, I had stashed some cigars in there mm -hmm. and forgot about them. Mm. And uh, came back to it like a year or two later and said, wow, look at these. <laughs> and uh, I know I had... Uh, few Cuban cigars, and I had a few others and maybe a few boxes of uh, things that I had forgot about and smoked them and said, wow, the uh, the age on this really, you know, enhanced the flavor. And it, what I noticed was especially the cedar. Mm -hmm. it, from that point on, I was a big cedar fan. Mm -hmm. I really liked the enhancement of cedar. Some people like that and yeah. some people don't. Right. I happen to like it. Uh, one of my first significant humidors was uh i believe it was a vigilant humidor it was a tabletop end table back when they really used real cedar that was mm. very aromatic the spanish cedar uh they had a problem with it back then where it used to bleed a lot and it would yeah. the sap would come out of it and uh but this particular humidor i started uh, stacking boxes in it and then when I would go back to it, the enhancement of that cedar and in the inside of the humidor was, like, significant. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of how I started collecting cigars. So first by mistake, and then secondly <laughs> by, uh, you know, by choice. But do you find that kind of helps to to be able to get some cigars, put them in there, and then, and literally forget about them? I mean, that's my thing. I I put cigars in in the humidor, and I can't forget that they're there. Yeah. I just want to smoke them. You well, need a vault, Dan. Even tonight, <laughs> you yeah. need something so big, you're just like, oh well. Well, even tonight, for when you know, selecting some cigars to smoke, you know, these cigars are all uh, saved, uh, but now they're almost like uh, super collectible. It's yeah. hard to open them. Yeah. So, Absolutely. I know after a year or so goes by, you could you still feel the hankering to go smoke them. But once you get like probably, I don't know, like 10 years on something, it's like, uh, wow. no. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to open that. Right? Yeah. That happens a lot. I'll look in, you know, my vault, which is really not a vault, but <laughs> I do have uh, several areas where I keep cigars. and uh, <laughs> Several areas. <laughs> I will uh, struggle to sometimes open something. So... You know, three or four or six boxes a year I'll open mm-hmm. and share with friends. Or, you know, in, in the past we've opened many boxes at uh, company outings and stuff sure. like that. So basically that's what they're for, to share at special occasions or, you know, at some some point, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you, it, is that the primary Is that the primary reason that do you, do you grab cigars and hold on to them and keep them? And then trade them, sell them, or whatever, you know? Or is it really just get it, save it, smoke it? Yeah, I've never sold any that I can think of. Okay. You know, a lot of times... I can believe that. After the, <laughs> after the initial collecting, you mm-hmm. know, it, I would collect uh, things that were hard to come by. Sure. But I would also collect gifts from people. Mm. So, for instance, this is a box of uh, original Camacho diplomas. Wow. And this was... Uh, gifted to me from Christian Aroa and he signed it in 2001 and uh, this was for 20 years old uh, he he uh, gave me this for making the trip to Honduras I think it was my first trip to Honduras mm. uh, to visit his factory yeah so he signed this and he gave this to me and you can see the little dots yeah, on it yeah so over the years in different storage areas, I had to put these little not for yard sale, sale stickers <laughs> on it that said not for sale. Oh, my gosh. So we've established that your vault is not actually a vault. It's undisclosed places like the size of Area 57 where you keep your stuff. <laughs> All right. Um, but ju- just how big is it like if you were gonna if you were gonna guesstimate how many cigars you actually own or boxes you own you know what i i started evaluating that tonight yeah and i really don't know i don't know i have a lot of cigars so big that you just don't know well it's not a massive warehouse full of cigars it's basically hundreds of boxes okay in a couple areas uh, that take up quite a bit of space. <laughs> and they're, they're stacked. You know, because you run out of space. You're sure. You know, yeah. we're, we're in a 10,000 square foot building, mm-hmm. and I have no room to put them all in one area because we use every inch of our facility. Right. So, 
you know, in uh, some of those big storage humidors we have, mm-hmm. I have a huge corner full of things. And then in my in uh, other areas, <laughs> I have other things. I love I love the dis- I just, nondescript statements. I have huge stacks of things. I just imagine <laughs> you walking to like this, you know, abandoned trailer thing, and then you just Batman down into this huge like vault. <laughs> I could see him doing that. Yeah, I've showed Nick some things over. Yeah, there, we're building know. something uh, over here. It's fun to okay. show it sometimes, you know. Because yeah, it, it's all. Not only is it uh, fun to show it, and I don't want to sound like a uh, brag about it, because I'm not bragging, but it's it's like show and tell. It's like mm-hmm. a fun to show it, and then it brings back all these ridiculously good memories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, here's a box of uh, over there. There's a bundle of cigars from Fish? no. Well, yeah, we could do that. So this was the first. 724 pre-release of uh from probably 05 ish oh oh my god so was, this was oh, like the first smoking. test blend and wow. somehow some way i saved one bundle and the band says pre-release 724 wow. and uh <laughs> at the time we sold them like this and the price tag on it is eighty nine ninety five? <laughs> nice. Which is about half of what they go for now. Yeah. Well, mm. plus it's twenty five. Oh yeah, it's 20, yeah. As opposed wow. to twenty. Yeah. That's nice. So, uh, well, that's a great lead into the next question. You know, it, you've got this great uh, selection here of, of boxes and bundles on the table. This, this is kind of a peek inside of of uh, your vault here. You want to talk about some of these things that you brought? Yeah, I could definitely do that. So well, good because I can't. <laughs> so, over here in front of Dave's, that's a bundle of uh, pork tenderloins. So this was a uh, infamous uh, release that Pete Johnson made for Gloucester Street Cigar, mm-hmm. and uh, Jose, which was the manager, I think at the time. Yep possibly before he became owner, him and Pete would work together and they made some, uh, they created the monster series. They did. Yep. They created the pork chop, the pork tenderloin. So here's a box of the original pork chops and here's a bundle of the original pork tenderloins. Oh, that's my so, uh, that's super madness. rare. You know, I'm not sure when or if I'll open them, but uh, it's fun to have and it brings back great memories. Wow. You know, it's signed on top. Yeah. And now uh, this one here is signed by Jose, whose nickname was Pork Chop, mm-hmm. and he even drew a little pork chop on the side. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. You know, right directly in front of me is a box of VSG they call rounds. So, uh,. I don't recall the exact story, but what I understand was the VSGs were box pressed. Mm-hmm. I believe what happened was when, in the first run or so, when they box pressed them, they might have been a little uh, overfilled. Mm. So when they pressed them, they didn't draw very well. So uh, uh, this is just the uh, the myth that I recall. Okay. So they put away some boxes of what they call the rounds that were never pressed. And they saved them for special occasions. So my good friend uh, and mentor, uh, uh, 
gifted me this box and uh M manny ferraro who was a great man uh rest in peace manny he mm -hmm. uh one of the great pieces that i have he gave me and uh i'll probably never do anything with that mm. but uh i don't know what they taste like but if they taste like this i mean this is like this is beautiful this is, uh, this is cedarific i mean look at the burn on that i know it's it's, it's incredible the I mean, ash is great it's just it's just just coming off right there beautiful sir very, very very nice you getting and there's this mustiness mm -hmm. a little bit to it too from yeah. the aging process I and get everything a, uh, a slight sweetness slight sweetness in there slight sweetness yep. slight very 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 subtle it? but it's there and i just like this nutty cedary taste yes mm. oh and the retro is uh the retro i sound like <laughs> you guys now <laughs> and the retro but mm. the retro hail on this is uh ridiculous huh yeah mm -hmm. right it's almost got like a when you say that, it does have a bit of a must, mm -hmm. almost like a, uh, almost like a little mushroom. Mm. Or maybe There's almost something floral to it. Mm. Yeah, don't you think? Yeah, this is this is this is an incredible VSG. Oof! If VSGs tasted like this, I'd smoke them all the time. <laughs> yeah. I guess I have to let them sit sit on them for fifteen years. I suppose inside some vault mm. where I smoke them. Oh. But mm -hmm. it's really interesting what the uh, what the aging does to the tobacco. I mean, I, that wouldn't you agree, Kurt? That th this has calmed down a oh, lot. Yeah, I mean, this is this is on the this is marginally medium. Yeah, if if that this right. this is kind of riding that line. There's no usually with, with a, a VSG that you get right off the right off the shelf. You would have that dark leather spice immediately hit your palate. Yeah, uh, and it's it's right through the retrohale. This one does not. It's really smooth. Much more earthy. Right? Earthy. I get some leather in there too. Yep. Um, creamy, smooth, aromatic. The room note is quite enchanting and the, but the, um, i think and it's it's absolutely phenomenal i can't believe i'm smoking this cigar right now i think it's awesome how like after 15 years the flavor is still bold yeah yeah you know? there's still plenty yeah. of flavor in this. oh yeah. yeah it's not it's it, not subtle in that aspect at all it's no you it's can tell it's flavor. mellowed but it's yes. got very good flavor yes mm. and it, it's it's almost like a total experience so it's you know you know you know it's old so you're thinking about it mm -hmm. but it's it's certainly satisfying, and uh, mm. and the smokes, the room smell is amazing yeah, too. Yeah, it really is. Oh. The bouquet, the bouquet, the bouquet. <laughs> oh. The room smell, the room smell, <laughs> and the pairings, the pairing with the Barcelona, is Barcelona is Barcelona. That <laughs> that room. is one of the one of the best rooms I've had in a long time. It's ridiculously smooth. Mm. A lot of rums. You get a lot of the molasses taste, which throw mm -hmm. a lot of people off, which I do enjoy. Uh, I drink a lot of Bacardi. I do drink a lot of um, uh, Dominican rums. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. Um, but this one, you don't have. You get that taste of the molasses or the cane, but it's not overwhelming. It's very smooth. Mm -hmm. It's it's uh, It's got some nice complexity in there, and it brings out, I think, some of the floral flavor that you get yeah, in the this cigar. Mm. Yes. Mm. So, um, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but you have some 
aging um, projects that you've actually kind of released um, to the customers at Twins. And I'm thinking of the the uh, dog walker sampler that you put into the Jack Daniels bottles yeah. and the Cedar Project. You know, I kind of have an idea of listening to you talk tonight where the Cedar Project maybe came from. But how how did you go about, you know, putting together those cigars and and what cigars do you use and what process goes on? What's what's in the uh, Kurt Cedar Project cigar? Well, that, that did come from that original Vigilant Humidor that I had mm-hmm. and the, the enhancement of the Cedar that I really enjoyed. So in 1997, we built our first store in Londonderry, New Hampshire, and myself and this guy, Dan McKay, built the cabinets in place. Mm. So we actually made all the shelving out of uh, rough cut Spanish cedar. So when we ran it through the planer and did all the sanding, you know, the enhancement of the, that, the aroma of the sawdust, which mm. isn't very pleasant to work with, by the way, mm. but for some reason I saved it. And I had like a 30 <laughs> gallon. You saved the cedars? <laughs> dust? I <did. laughs> So I had about uh, I had about thirty gallon bag full of cedar shavings, mm. and a lot of the curly ones that came yep. out of the planer. So, you know, one day it just dawned on me: why don't I try and age some cigars in these cedar shavings? Mm. And I, I remember Nick Perdomo did a box of cigars called uh, I believe they were Silvios, and inside had a cedar ribbon all the way around the. Uh, the perimeter of the box and the cigars were in the middle and uh so i started making uh these cigar lasagnas cigar lasagnas <laughs> so it was like a cigar oh, casserole over for dinner cigar <laughs> casserole so mm. i would put a layer of spanish cedar shavings right and then a layer of cigars okay and a, you know shaving yep. cigars and i would put them in these either cedar crates mm-hmm. that uh, we got from factories or even in tupperware mm. and uh then i let them sit for a year you know i try them after a month or six months and then let them sit for a year and the, the enhancement of the cedar was substantial and i really enjoyed it so i would do that for my own cigars mm-hmm. or for instance that like these vsg boxes at the holiday time Fuente used to put out a sampler box and it was just like this with five cigars in it. And when you open that, the enhancement of that Spanish cedar was spectacular. Mm. So after I smoked it, I would fill it with cigars of another brand and I'd just put them away. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how the cedar project came around. Mm. Now, and, what what kind of cigars do you use in the cedar project? Just do you, do you pick, choose different ones each time? Do you have one that you like to use more than another? Uh, I've tried them from everything from 724 blends to different uh, bulk that I bought from factories over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff that I bought from... Uh, Davidoff and a lot of stuff out of Nicaragua, and I just experiment with it, and mm. you know, do a couple hundred cigars and put them away, and that's about it, really. Mm. No, there's a, no there, magic. There's a new batch out at the Londonderry store right now. Yeah. Yes, there is. Those were about twenty months old. Twenty months, 20, almost well, twenty years. months in cedar. Twenty months in cedar, yeah. So beyond that, you know, the tobacco had some age, the cigars had some age, and then the aging. They are amazing. I had to buy one 
Sorry, I had to buy three yes, uh, the other day. <laughs> They're really popular. Those th They th are amazing. We're constantly refilling that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Display. Those are just cedar bombs. You get a lot of rich, uh, rich spice notes in there. Super smooth and creamy. It, they are absolutely amazing. Mm. What about the the dog walker oh, um, those samplers? Are, those are delicious. As you well. want to talk about? I mean, what what possessed you to say? What if I threw my cigars into this empty liquor bottle? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, well, where did that come from? I don't know if you guys are picking up on the fact that I'm a bit of a hoarder. <laughs> no, uh, no, like no, no, not at all. Not, not I mean, all. I saved sawdust. Yeah, well, <laughs> thirty gallon bags of it. Yeah. Yes. That we well, had to move. <laughs> well, no, that's not it. Oh, no, the, the cedar the sawdust vault was uh, a room full of cedar because later on we built this new store. Oh, that five was years from ago. the the humidor, right? We saved. I mean, we had a uh, four thousand board feet of. Uh, rough cut cedar that we ran through the planer and that's all the cedar from that <laughs> oh my gosh there's uh you know probably 10 yards there but anyways uh the liquor was so we we buy barrels of whiskey for the uh 724 lounge when the bartender's done with a bottle i insisted that they save them all <laughs> for some reason because it had our name on it sure it's yeah. like i can't throw this away we got to figure out something to do with it. So, you know, we tried to figure out, you know, if we took the caps off, if we could make something on a wall or, mm -hmm. but meanwhile, I just threw five dog walkers in it and I put it on my desk and it sat there for a while and the remnants of the whiskey absorbed into the tobacco. We left it in the cellophane, uh, because mm -hmm. I've tried to do it in the past, uh, without cello and it's, it's i think it's better with cellophane cellophane breathes yes and it's it's a wood product anyways you know the enhancement of the jack daniels going into the the dog walkers mm. you know gave it a whole unique flavor and it was like a whole different cigar so i looked at we had we emptied our first uh barrel of uh 724 single barrel jack daniels and i had uh, over 200 bottles empty so what we did was we filled them with six dog walkers. We put them away for, uh, it was close to a year on the right. first batch. And then we put them out in our retail store and sold them. And, and again, they do. They yeah. sell. They're very yeah. popular. Yeah. It's a conversation gotta, piece, too. Yeah. Well, all you all you have to do to, to move one of those things is pop the top and say, smell this. Oh, my and God. People's eyes dilate and everything. They oh, go, yeah. give me that. Then they're, yeah, and then you got them hooked. That's it. And yeah. Then, and, and, and then they smoke the cigars, and they're hooked even more. They come back for a second bottle. Yeah, and it, it's it's not like they taste like whiskey. They don't, know. But But the the it's a real floral, almost fruity kind of aroma in that bottle, and they that just kind of gets absorbed into the wrapper and... I feel like you can you get a little bit of it on the finish, a little bit, but not but not enough. Like you really have to know more on the nose. I think. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's more on the nose. But even back in the, geez, early two thousands, when cigar jars were huge, mm -hmm. I mean everybody we sold hundreds of cigar jars a year. It was a an inexpensive way to have a humidification or a humidor, mm -hmm. so we used to fill that humidifier on top of the lid with rum mm -hmm. or whiskey or we tried cognac and 
that's where I started experimenting around with that uh, just to see what it would do and I really I really liked it it was a nice variety to be able to offer to our customers um, are there particular cigars that you look for to get to age like I'm gonna buy this and I'm gonna let it sit in my vault for five years and then I'm going to smoke it. Are there cigars that you specifically look for just to do that? Well, I, I noticed the uh, cigars that age the best that I found mm -hmm. was... 724. Well, <laughs> really, one of the best ones was through the years of hoarding rare Fuente products and the original Maduro, uh, Hemingway Maduros. Yeah. The uh, Anejos. Mm. Oh. And I, I didn't save too many Opus X because I could never afford to. Yeah. Uh, now I have a few boxes that I put a couple nickels together. Mm -hmm. uh, but those <laughs> tend to taste really good with some age. And a lot of what I saved was first release stuff. Mm -hmm. So there was a first release of something I thought was, you know, uh, spectacular. I would put it aside. So a lot of Tatuaje stuff. A lot of uh, a lot of Fuente. I have a lot of Fuente. You know, if you look over in front of Nick, I don't know <laughs> if the camera could pick that up, but it's a box, I think, from the mid two thousands, and it's one of the original boxes of uh, Liga Privada number nine. It is a 48 count cabinet. Oh, oh my, oh my lord. And uh, 48 count box before they had uh, the bands that we know today. That's I've never seen that. No. Well, I, I told you a little while ago that uh, Marvin Samuel invited me to his place in mm -hmm. Florida and uh, we hung out, smoked cigars, we smoked some of the early Ligas. And uh, when I got back to New Hampshire, he offered to have us be one of the first Liga accounts in the country. Mm. So I believe it was myself and Dave Garofalo at Two Guys Smoke Shop, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And we had cigars before anybody. We had them with handwritten bands. Oh and we gosh. had them with what looked like handwriting, but they were printed, which I believe that these are. Mm-hmm. So they came in these 48-count chests. They weren't even marked. And uh, that's the last one I have. That's probably the only one I would probably have to say. It would probably be the only one in the world, maybe. Maybe one or two yeah. out there. Mm. But, man, that having it a foot and a half away from me is <laughs> like having <laughs> the Holy Grail in front of me. That's insane. That's it's it, my brain is having a hard time processing what is sitting in front of me right now. Just, just don't touch it. I won't touch it. It's like I won't even arc, look at it. It'll burn you. Yeah, I won't even <laughs> look at Nick, it. If you look at the bottom, is it? Uh, I usually write on the bottom, uh, what it is or when it came from. What does it say? Uh, original Liga Privada, oh six, uh, June of oh six. Yeah, Liga Privada number nines. My lord. So that was probably after a bit of having them retail and then realizing that they were going to come out with real packaging. 
I stashed one of the yeah. 48s. Mm-hmm. Now, you have some um, vintage capital V vintage 724 stuff here on the table, too. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because this is crazy. I know right where your uh, passion is and everything with 724 and history and New England well, history. This box here has a date on it. November 14th, 1950. Woo! So this is a Christmas box from the original 724 factory from 1950. And every year they came out with a different Christmas box. And uh, this is the 724 Londra, still sealed. Wow. And it's 71 years old, people. Wow. And, uh, 71 years old. That's amazing. Well, that's older than this Kurt. one here. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> this one here is a, a five pack from the original factory from 1938. 1938. And uh, my dad was two years old. Wow. <laughs> so that's when, amazing. Uh, Thor from Cigar Press and his mom came up, and uh, they were nice enough to do an interview with me. Mm-hmm. And we, I brought them into the vault. And I said, you know what? Today's a special day to smoke something cool, you know? Mm. Why, why why, do we have this stuff if I can't use it for something, an occasion like this? Yeah, so sure. I'm looking around. I showed Thor a few things I thought he might like. And then I looked down and I saw those 1938 724s. So I said, well, today's the day. So I had a few of those five packs. We cracked it open. I had no idea we were going to smoke. You know, the, that was a, a clear Havana. Mm-hmm. It's got a Sumatran wrapper. And I didn't know if it was going to be garbage, but I got to tell you, it was really good. Mm. I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, Thor and uh, his mom got to smoke one. So it was, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. That is very, very cool. Um, now, you've... you've um... And those were the original, is that the 10-cent cigar in those boxes? Yeah, so this is a 10-cent cigar. This is a 10-pack. So that was a buck. I mean, look at the artwork. <laughs> that was a dollar. That was a dollar. <laughs> now, back in those days, would would value-wise, would the price be, you know, a, a $10 cigar today or a $12 cigar? I mean, you, you, see, you see $0.10 cents and you think cheap. But we're looking at it, you know, 70, 80, 100 years later. How, how, yeah. When they say 10 cent cigars, was that a big deal? I think it was because most cigars were a nickel. Okay. Even three cents. I think 724 was a little pricey, if I'm not mistaken, because mm. everything I've ever seen from the beginning, which is turn of the century and even earlier, mm. was 10 cents. And for years after that, it was all, you know, a lot of cigars were a nickel. Right. The the uh, sister brand of this, Dexter, mm-hmm. was a nickel. Okay. And even some of the old antique signs I have where, uh, you know, it'd be a porcelain sign, and on the bottom it would say 10 cents. And then as it, a lot of the signs today, that red sign, the middle of it scratched out because they'd scratched off that 10 cents when the price went up. So that was probably in the you know, 50s or mm. and beyond. Went up to 15 cents. That it did. <laughs> now, mm. you may not be able to tell the difference, 
based on what you've said, but but Kurt, what what is the difference between being a collector and being a hoarder to you? I I and I would argue that you're a collector in, in the sense yeah. that that you do like sharing your stuff. You're a very generous guy. Look, I mean, look at this spread. Look at what we're smoking. I can't even believe I'm smoking this thing. Well, I think it's, it's smoking. It's, I think it's simple. He can still walk through his house. I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good, yeah. Yep. Very simple. That's a huge thing. I mean, cigars were, were made to be smoked, enjoyed, shared, you know, and they, they weren't made to just never be opened ever i mean obviously some cigars were meant to be saved for special occasions and and some cigars that we buy and even i have some of these at home i you know they've got memories attached to them and so you you know you're not going to smoke them for just anything Mm. but you know so to me a hoarder is somebody who would just get the stuff and never touch it again. And I, I don't see that as you. But no. what's what's the difference between collecting and then just hoarding it all? Well, that that is a good question. You know, I don't consider myself a hoarder. I have a lot of stuff. I collect a lot of stuff. And mm. it's stuff to me that's, uh, I don't mean cool in a cool sense, but it's cool to me. Right. So whether or not I collected Ford automobile parts because it was a hard-to-get cool part or uh, bottles of whiskey that are hard to come by or that I really enjoy that, you know, I have just like this, but in different whiskeys. You know, I have a big collection of antiques and signs and stuff like that where uh, I just think I love to be surrounded by it. So Mm. I'm not a hoarder where you can't walk through my house, even though I do have some piles. Yes, <laughs> it's mostly cool stuff. Whether it's valuable or not is irrelevant. Piles of Dixon. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was going to say, how's that stack going since Christmas? You know, that was the... <laughs> yeah. I was just plowing snow outside, and uh, yeah. I slam on the brakes, and a big bag of Dixons <laughs> tumbled over. Oh, God. Uh, well. One of the things that we like to do on this show is is a segment that we call Pastor Padron Cigar Confessions. And that's usually where I share something, you know, some pet peeve of mine about cigar smokers or, or things that I see going on. But when we have guests on, I kind of like to throw the ball to them. And uh, so I'd like to ask you, what's one of your big cigar pet peeves? Or if, if you want to think about it in a more positive note, what's something you wish more people did or knew about cigar smoking that would improve and enhance their enjoyment of their cigar? Well, I'm not sure if this is a pet peeve, but on the second part of what you just said, I wish more people understood the process of how this cigar comes into our hand Mm. and the amount of hands that it touches when they're growing the tobacco Mm. and doing the farming doing the processing uh, creating the cigar creating the packaging Uh, it's it's really a shame that people don't really I mean people have seen it now they've seen a roller but to really understand Mm. that whole process 
I wish more people knew about that. And uh, we try to teach that somewhat, but, you know, a lot of people don't even want to listen. They, they might be fascinated, but, you know, within a few minutes, you're going to lose them. You know, some of the best events we've ever done <clears throat> were uh, educational events at our retail stores. So whether it was uh, Benji Menendez, uh, Jose Blanco, mm. uh, Manny Ferraro, Michael Herklotz, yep. some, uh, Steve Saka, mm -hmm. uh, listening to Carlito talk at our store, you know, the passion and the what goes on here and creating what we all he are here together for is amazing. And so I don't know if that's a pet peeve, but it's, uh, it's something that I wish more people understood. Mm. That's good. That's good stuff. I think, uh, you know, so, so much work goes into a cigar i've i've heard several people say that an average of 300 hands goes into the process 300 monos you know um and it really is a i i think the last guy you had doing something like along that line kurt at twins was hamlet parodies yes and watching him you know pull these you know pieces and bunches of tobacco together and rolling them and it's mesmerizing mm. watching it and but you you know by looking at it and watching that he that takes so much skill mm. and he makes it look like it, it, he makes it look like it's you know this easy almost like a parlor trick thing you know all of a sudden he ends up bump here's this nice completely oh, yeah. smooth cigar but all the training all the time all of the you know, he, he was literally one of the, the best rollers in the world, you know, when he was, when he, well, I suppose he still is. He's not dead. True. You know, he's still rolling cigars. But, you know, it, it is. And if you don't appreciate that, you miss something with it. And that's what I hear you saying. Is that, yeah. that right? That's right. There's a lot to it. Every time I travel to, uh, a country of origin where they're making cigars or mm -hmm. I go to the factories. I don't even know how to explain that every time you go, you learn more and more mm. and more. I am not an, people look at me and say, Oh, you're an expert at this, but I'm really far from an expert. I really don't have the expertise of the people working in those factories and those processing tobacco and, uh, in the farms hmm. and uh, the, the whole process I don't know uh, you know like uh, Jesus Fuego mm -hmm. he, he's been around that he's one of the first guys I met became friends with I'm doing a lot of name dropping here you are yeah it's not a bad I don't, thing yeah well I'm not doing it for any other reason but to uh, compliment all those gentlemen and uh, ladies because uh, they've taught me a heck of a lot mm. Sometimes when I wake up, I'll be scrolling through Facebook and I'll see someone rolling a cigar and they'll be posting it live. And I just can't help but stop and watch because it's just like, it's the most amazing thing. You just see how fast they do it. And I'm just like, that's crazy because you know how much detail and how much finesse um, has to go into it. It's well, and one mistake ruins the cigar. Yeah. If you don't bunch it right, if you don't, you know, if you don't put the tobacco in the right place and it's not rolled in a way that it's still 
you can still get a draw from it. I mean, it's it's useless. Right. Oh, you yeah. know, it's it, it really is. To do it over and over and over again and have the cigar taste the same, all those 20 cigars in, in the 724 box, to have them all, you know what you're going to get. That That is work. That's a lot of work. Just the weight. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of cigars you you know you could hand me and I can feel it. You know, it's light or underfilled. Mm. A lot of the Cuban cigars I've been handed in the years past, I've always noticed they're really light. Mm-hmm. We boring you, Dave? Oh no, sir. <laughs> you sure. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> What's uh? We're we're just about at the end of our first segment here, and I'm just about the end of my uh, BSG Robusto. Kurt has been doing an unusual amount of talking, so he's still <laughs> he's still got a lot of cigar left. And uh, but what's what's our final thoughts on this fifteen and a half year old VSG, Dave? You want to? I'm flabbergasted. You're <laughs> flabbergasted. No, the the it's very. I'm not. When I first started smoking cigars, I was. Uh, I'll be honest. I was not really a cedar person at all. You know, uh, and now, like a couple years later, um, I, I I enjoy it when I find a really nice cedar forward cigar, and this is probably about the most cedar forward cigar I've ever smoked. It's amazing. I feel really, really blessed and fortunate that you shared it. Thank you. You're welcome. Don't cry. This is YouTube. We don't cry on YouTube. We don't cry. <laughs> Nick, what's your final thoughts here? Um, okay. I lost for words. You know, as as <laughs> as a you know as I work work for Kurt for three years now, and just seeing or scratching. You know, like he said before, he showed me some of the stuff, and I know that's kind of like scratching the surface and everything, and smoking this is just absolutely amazing mm. you know what i mean i would never picture myself you know 10 years ago sitting for me you know when i first got into the cigar industry everybody you know name dropped kurt and kurt is you know a god and he's he's the he's the man he's been around for 30 years he's older than jesus and like, <laughs> like older than jesus but like yeah. it, the, the 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 stories were coming from everywhere you know in southern you know in the in the plastow haverhill yeah. area why isn't kurt in the avengers yeah i know he secretly is um but i, I would never you know what i mean 10 years ago i would never picture myself mm. smoking an ashton vsg that's 15 16 years old sitting next to uh a, a a a gentleman that has just completely blew my mind ever since I started work for, working for the company uh, how nice he is and knowledgeable and straightforward with you is you know I, I know I'm kind of you know brown nose in here but yes I I <laughs> <laughs> but this the cigar is just yeah. Just, just amazing. Yeah. It, it's a 15-year-old Ashton VSG. It was probably one of the, the first, you know, samplers that Kurt ever got in his old store when he first started. And, you know what I mean? What, you know, what else do I have to say about the mm. cigar? It's, it's smooth. It's creamy. It's, it's got some cedar. It's got a, a lovely bouquet. It's got some really nice leather. It goes really, really great with the, with the rum. It's a very nice. Yeah. A beautiful pairing there. They both, you know, 
Yeah, it's. Uh, if that's you, speechless. I'd, I'd hate that. I'd hate, <laughs> I'd hate to know what it, when you had something to say. Oh my goodness! Now, Kurt, did th- how did this cigar live up to maybe your hopes or expectations after holding on to it for so long? You know, it's uh, been a. This was well worth the time mm. invested. Yeah. And all the gallons of water I put in that humidifier. <laughs> Did you save all the empty gallons? <laughs> staring, staring at boxes like this where uh, you're not sure when or if you'll ever open them. Mm-hmm. And uh, tonight when I was trying to make a selection for something that wasn't too big because... Uh, yeah, you don't want to open a huge box. for Time frame and everything. You know, I said, tonight's the night. I look at the bottom. It was whatever it said, 05 or 06. Mm-hmm. And... I said, that'll be a good example of what aging is going to do because this was probably the fullest bodied cigar in the market at that time. Right. I remember when they first came out, they they kicked my butt. Really? Yeah, it was. It was a strong, it was a strong, strong cigar. And now I'm in my, you know, the final third of this. And there's a, there's a buttery. Yes. There's a, there's a sauteed butter kind of sweetness to this cigar. This is this is the most Peter, enjoy- and this is this is the most enjoyable VSG I've ever smoked, mm-hmm. and I think yeah. they're a great cigar. But this is this is the most enjoyable, you know. Uh, uh, this is older than than one of my kids. There you go. You know, it's it's amazing. And uh, I guess we have to give some credit to the Fuente family who made it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe uh, just a little bean family that uh, sold it, and. Uh, I guess it was, uh, let me think here, Victor Vitelli, mm. who was my sales representative at the time. Wow. If anybody remembers him, I do. told him to me. So. Oh, my gosh. Mm. All right, people. Well, we're going to take a little bit of a break, and uh, uh, we'll be back with more cigars from Kurt's Vault, and we've got more questions for him. You're not going to want to miss it. I've saved the best for last. Don't go anywhere. Paul here is going to show you how to properly light a cigar. Okay, so what I do is it's a two-step process. Uh, The first thing I want to do is I want to tee it up or toast the cigar. All right, now there's a couple of ways you can toast the cigar. What what I notice a lot of people do is they'll take their cigar, they'll take their lighter, they'll ignite it, and they'll go ahead and move the lighter so that it's touching the tobacco, touching the, the, uh, the footing here, until it's properly toasted. What I do is I actually hold the lighter steady and I'll take the cigar and I'll get it just over the light until it starts to ignite and then I'll just rotate it. And what I'm doing here is I'm adhering the wrapper to the binder. I'm just sealing it up. That's amazing, Paul. Yeah. You're doing such a great job. Toasty. Right. So now it's toasted. Now comes the light. And what I do is I do, I'll start off and I'll do quarter turns. All right, so ignite, ignite your lighter. Again, you want to keep the cigar just above the light. That's the hottest part of the flame, just until you can see it ignite. And you see how he's pulling the lighter back as he's doing it. Perfect, that's what you want. 
this will be you'll be successful every time if you do that. Now, a lot of what I see, let's talk about how not to do this, all right? First off, I see people do it all the time. I notice Paul and I did not do this. They take their, they take their torch lighter and they get right up here and they go like this. <sighs> see, now people like doing that because they're impatient. They want to just get right to the tobacco. They want to get to the lighting. It's like lighting is the least favorite thing for them to do. But if you look at um, this, you can see how the tobacco has been scorched at the bottom by doing that with the torch. That changes the flavor of the cigar. So if I uh, take a draw on this one, And I get some nice wood notes. I get a little bit of spice. If I do the same with this one. I'm getting a lot of char. I can actually taste the burned tobacco. <clears throat> so you can really, really impact how your cigar is going to perform for the rest of the time based on how you light it up front. Now, another thing that people do wrong is they don't bother with the whole toasting thing. And they just kind of hold it up to the face. And again, with the torch, and then they get frustrated. What the fuck did he say? And then they end up with something like this, where it is half lit, okay? That's going to be actually a, hard to correct because, you know, the tobacco is not going to taste right because only half the cigar is lit. If you don't take the time to evenly light the cigar right up front, it's going to burn funny. It's going to taste fine. So... It is really important to take the time to do your cigar right. Toast it like you're toasting a marshmallow, and then do the light like you saw Paul and I do it. If you like soft flame, it's going to take a little bit longer. If you like a torch like Paul does, it's still going to take maybe longer than you thought, but you will really appreciate it when you take the time to light your cigar correctly. Right? I, just, I, I, I think of it as when I'm, when I'm smoking meat, you want to do it low and slow. Low flame. Mm, you don't, low and slow. You don't, want to, you don't want a heavy flame. You want to keep it just above the light. Again, that's the hottest part of the flame is just above it. And when you start to see the tobacco start to uh, ignite, that's all you need. And as long as you do the, the turns after you toast it, um, your cigar should be lit properly and you'll enjoy it that much more. Thank you. Come again. Hanging in there. Cool.
All right, everybody, thanks for hanging in there. We're back for part two of the show here. Kurt's up getting some uh, goodies for us and some water for himself, which is uh, not a bad thing. And um, we are moving on to another cigar that Kurt has pulled out of his vault. And uh, it looks like some Excalibur Maduro number twos. You want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, so uh, this box of cigars I dug out from April April 2007. <laughs> so when my, my daughter Maggie was born, mm. we came out with these cigars. At the time, Hoya de Monterey Excalibur was a huge uh, demand in selling cigar. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what's in this box. I don't know what they're going to look like. But I say we open them up and find out. It's still sealed, ladies and gentlemen. So, I haven't smoked an Excalibur, and I can't remember how long. Well, the same is true for me. I can't remember the last time I had one of those. I believe this was one of my favorite sizes. It's probably like a 48. Yeah. 2007. Look at that. Maggie, you had oh. him, you had him labeled for? Her? Oh, I Oh my goodness. Oh my. So you had th- this specifically made for you for Maggie's birthday. This was birthday. made for myself. Wow. In uh, the birth of my 14-year-old Margaret Kendall. I've... Margaret Scott Kendall. It's... I love you, kid. Mm. And again, the yellow cello people. It's great to have a computer screen in front of me so I can actually see it. Oh, my gosh. That's just amazing. Look at that. Uh, Maggie, it's hard to put down this VSG. i got to take one more puff. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. You can smell the, the must on this, the age. Oh, boy. Even the cello smells musty. Mm-hmm. Let's take a little off the top and see what happens here. Again, that's a nice cut. Mm. And the cigar seems to be very well wow. cared for and everything. Let's do a little uh, wow. cold draw here. Oh, yeah. Sweet nuts. Well, I'm not going to say chocolate, but uh, if you have nuts, nuts. that's okay. Sweet nuts. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Uh, That is nice, smooth, creamy. This is going to be an enjoyable. Because uh, Maggie is actually 13 and a half. (laughs) Mm. Oh, my goodness. May I? Yes, yes. I'm kind of still amazed at this cigar. It's wow, beautiful. Let's take a look here and see what we can do with this bad boy. Now, I, I don't recall here. a whole lot about the blend of the uh, Hoya de Monterey Excalibur. We'll just skip that. All right. Google it, people. Um, we're I, busy enjoying this. I, <laughs> I do know in the late 90s and early 2000s, this was one of the top-selling cigars in the store. Mm-hmm. People would walk in and say, 
do you have a uh, show me where the Excalibur number one Maduros are? Mm-hmm. And if you didn't have them, they would leave. Yeah. It wasn't like, well, I'll grab something else. It was, uh, okay, when do you think you might get some in? You okay there, Nick? You know, after you cut a cigar oh, sometimes coffee. and it's got a little bit of tobacco <laughs> dust on top, you do a cold draw and right down the hatch. Mm. Mm, oh, my God. This is so, so creamy. Mm-hmm. Again, there's that kind of agey mustiness to it that you can tell just mm-hmm. from the aging of but the tobacco this is more pronounced than the vsg more right? what's more pronounced that musty the agey mustiness cedar it's very it's transcendent yes <laughs> yeah, thank you paul thank you paul oh my goodness excellent thank you yeah, it is <laughs> very, very excellent. It's too bad Paul's missing out on this I activity. Know, right? He's gonna yep. be kicking him chance. Mm-hmm. I did offer him to come and close the store early to enjoy this experience, mm-hmm. and uh, Paul respectively declined. Paul is a uh, he loves his twins. He, he loves does his twins. Yep. Yeah. Well, I figured, you know what? We're gonna do this. We gotta crazy snowstorm outside mm-hmm. the retail store was relatively closed we'd never close early for any reason other than a situation like this mm-hmm. you're well maybe he wants to come and oh my goodness this he's is holding really, down really the really voice nice. this is ridiculously mm-hmm. smooth mm-hmm. there's a little bit of spice to this too there is there is which is incredibly weird why is, from, why is it weird? Well, I wouldn't think from I'm uh, an Excalibur you would get that that kind of spicy, but I'm assuming it's from the cedar box and because it's been sitting for... It's, it's definitely, to me, a cedar kind of spice. Yeah. So what's what's uh, this uh, bottle that you're looking at there, Kurt? Well, in the... Uh, <laughs> The, the fortune I've had of being able to travel a lot, mm-hmm. <clears throat> the uh, prized possession of rum back when we were drinking a lot of rum mm-hmm. was the Havana Club. And this is a seven-year-old aged rum from Cuba. And I haven't cracked a bottle of this, and I don't know how long. Mm-hmm. He just did. I don't remember how good this is. I do recall when we drank it, it was like, wow, this is mm. so good. You know, I don't know if it's actually that good or not, but we're going to find out. Yes, we are. I wonder how it's going to compare with that $15 bottle. $15? Uh, we had, uh, last week we had Jim Beam uh, repeal batch, and it was $15, and uh, it was Pretty good for a fifteen bottle, a fifteen dollar bottle of, of Jim Beam bourbon. Yeah, that was good. <clears throat> Jim Beam and Old Granddad, some of the brands that you you don't really think about as being uh, 
high-end whiskey or real collectible or anything, but oh, make some good. They do. Good, the, u- good the, use. The nose is straight honey. Mm, mm-hmm. Yep. Is straight honey. That is straight honey. Oh. Oh, that is very honey. Even the finish is honey. Honey. Oh, honey. Mm. Nothing, honey. Oh, yeah. I think that's going to pair really well with this. Oh, yeah. Oh, I need another swig of that. Yeah, of course you do. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Now, what is she here? Ooh. Mm. You guys get a little bit of almond on that? Almond? Just a little bit of almond me, on that. I, I wouldn't have used the word almond, but uh, okay. that's, that's just because I don't normally go there. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Oh. Yeah, I can. Raw almond. Yeah. Raw almond. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can. I can dig that. Raisins. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a raisiny kind of sweetness to the wrapper. Oh yeah. Oh my. And again, the burn on this is really stellar. It's solid. Solid. Mm-hmm. Now, hmm. switching gears a little bit here, Kurt. Um, we've recently just received a pallet or four of some new sizes, new Vitolas, if you will, for mm-hmm. the 724 line. You want to talk those up a little bit? Sure. You know, 2020 was a crazy year, mm-hmm. crazy year for us uh, all with the... Uh, COVID-19 situation. Yep. Businesses didn't know what to do. Everybody shut down at some time or point. The manufacturing for 724 and the factories came to a screeching halt. Mm. And as everyone knows, or most people know, I do not own my own factories. I rely on other business partners to make my cigars. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, with the communication level from the factories and uh, everything going on, you know, my cigars weren't necessarily a top priority, unfortunately. Mm. I'm very grateful for where they're made and how they're made, but we just got a... We've only had... uh, Well, these cigars have been in in the works... Which for which would have been our trade show last July. So we made a few extensions of our lines, the Hustler series and the Factory 57. And we came out with two new sizes of each. Factory 57, we introduced a new torpedo and a traditional Churchill size and a 48 ring gauge. Mm. And in the Hustler series, we introduced a, a double Corona and a torpedo as well. So Ooh. three out of the four showed up last week to uh, be able to offer to the world. So nice. Now one of those those are kind of resting in, uh, dare I say, your vault. <laughs> <laughs> they're, in, they're in a vault environment. <laughs> when when might uh, we see those released? Well. For public consumption. Tomorrow, I'm going to uh, evaluate the cigars, uh, <laughs> open them up, 
uh, look them over. I've already looked at them some. Mm -hmm. I've smoked a few. Okay. But uh, I wanted to give it a few days. It's been on a UPS freight truck and, uh, you know, slow boat from Honduras. And uh, they just need a little time to rest. Rest. Yeah. And uh, hopefully when we open them up and uh, they'll be ready to smoke. They should be. They were. They've. They've been made for quite a while. We were waiting for packaging mostly. Okay. Boxes. We actually uh, somehow ran out of uh, bands for the factory fifty-seven. Kind of going back to what you were talking about before. You know, no, all the work that goes into making a cigar. That's one of the aspects that the whole Corona thing has really hit too. Is that it's not only cigar production. You know being hit but all the supplies that you need to then package the cigars the pocket the the pocket the, the, <laughs> the boxes Box the, the, the wood the ink the paper the you know all of that stuff has right. been impacted as well and so you know this isn't the only cigar i've heard of being put on hold because of packaging issues uh, you know i i remember talking um to uh uh, Steve Poirier, uh, back when he worked with uh, LFD, talking about how um, uh, the, the Oro tubos, we couldn't get them. Mm -hmm. And the reason was they had run out of tubes. Oh, and they couldn't get any more tubes. And so they were looking for tubes. And for months, you know, the problem wasn't the cigars not being made. It was they were having a real dickens of a time trying to find some tubes to put the things in. Oh, yeah. You know? We have had some problems. We've had mostly in boxes. So we have been able to offer a majority of our cigars of still available throughout uh, 2020. But a few things we have run out of. And when we're trying to replenish that from the manufacturing of the cigars, put, you know, processing the tobacco, and then uh, the the box factories uh, were having a hard time keeping up. So a lot of our cigars came in in bundles. And we were offering that to customers uh, with the understanding that we just don't have the boxes right now. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Um, another thing maybe uh, that I wanted to ask you about, you know, I kind of – Going back to some things that you said in the first half of the show, was you pick, um, you know, barrels of particular spirits for twins. And um, last month you were in Mexico, right, doing tequila picking. No, no. Where, a lot of people where... misunderstood that uh, post on social media. It was basically a. Was that from like eight years ago or something? No, it was a best of 2020 oh. post. Just kind of uh, reminiscing about the year that just went by. And mm. one of my favorite moments was at that particular distillery in Mexico. Okay. And the owner of the distillery uh, gave us a tour personally. Mm -hmm. And oh, wow. she uh, put on this incredible spread of food. Mm -hmm. And we were uh, drinking tequila. And in the background was the most scenic field of agave I've plants, ever seen. Yeah. And I saw a hammock <laughs> out between two trees 
right at the field. And I was talking to the lady that owned uh, the distillery in uh, Corazon. Mm-hmm. And she told we, I, I told her what I did for a living. Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, my husband, my late husband used to lay in the hammock with a good cigar and sip on this uh, particular tequila. And it was uh, an extra anejo called mm-hmm. Ray Soul, mm-hmm. which if, any, if you get a chance to try Ray Soul, it's an extra anejo. I believe it's 10 years old mm, uh, wow. in the barrel. It's incredible. So she, she invited me to go lay in the hammock, enjoy a cigar with the Ray Soul. Wow. And I kicked back. I had, uh, you know, the hat on. Yes, you did. It was unbelievable. You looked quite relaxed. Which is rare. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it must have is. been hard to get out of. It was. <laughs> Not saying it was hard to get out of, but just because. Well, both. It was yeah. hard to get out, out of, of, and it was hard to get out of. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, you know, like you just said, 2020 was a really weird, bizarre year, you know, and with all of its challenges, headaches, and heartaches, it really ended up being kind of a, a great year for twins, you know, uh, and um, as we are. You know, already, you know, January is behind us as the first day of February now. Um, do you think it's 2020 is going to be a tough year to beat? Or do you think this, you know, rise that we've seen and in, in people smoking and coming and, and enjoying, you know, the, the stores and the cigars is going to continue this year? Where, where do you see things kind of going? You know, my true thoughts are, from our retail standpoint, we've had a tremendous year. We've had a lot of people come in the doors, a lot of people grateful that we were able to pivot enough in every different way that we could to keep the business going, mm. keep an environment that's safe and sound and to come in and enjoy. One of the few places that's actually been open to the level yeah. we've been open and be able to experience the the service that we you know pride ourselves in and uh the selection that we have and it the uh, the comments i've had verbally has been spectacular so i do pr- truly believe that the enhancement of all this business and the people that have come through our door will continue into 2021 because all we want to do is make it better every day that people come in. That's mm. our goal. That's my personal goal. So you guys all know that. So yep. uh, Yes, we do. You know, make it the best we can, offer the best selection, service, and knowledge that, you know, uh, a professional tobacconist can offer. Mm. And uh, it's all we, that's all I can ask for. Mm. And I hope that people uh, have appreciated uh, what we put into what we do every day to uh, give them the best experience possible. I know I hear that here at Oxit. Mm-hmm. You do too, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Um, One thing I could say is, you know, a little tribute here to our, our good friend Mike Phillips, mm-hmm. who built the store we're sitting in. He passed away in 2020. He was my left-hand man. He was my carpenter. He was the master of Everything but flannel. <laughs> uh, he was a good man. 
rest in peace, Michael. And thank you for everything you've uh, done for us to be able to offer this to all the customers. Amen. I can drink thank to you, that. Thank you, Mike. Weepy Seco. Mm. Now, Kurt, you were totally uh, impressed with that VSG, and it was so hard for you to put that down. And, you know, how are you appreciating this? Is this living up to your expectations here? Or is it more like a, you know, naughty, rebellious teenage kid? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> the cigar is performing excellent. Mm -hmm. The flavor is uh, more of the traditional cigar that I recall starting off with. Mm -hmm. And uh, we smoked a lot of Honduran cigars, punches, and Excaliburs. And, you know, it hasn't lost any flavor. I think it's uh, it's excellent. You know, it's fortunately it, it's in good shape. Yeah, it's, construction wise, construction wise, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, and it's bringing me back to an you know the Excalibur that I I do recall and haven't had in years. Mm. There you go. And that that cedar spice. Now that I'm about a third of the way in, the cedar spice is just yeah, I was gonna amped say, up, definitely. and it's just right in the retro hill. It's right on my palate, and it's just lovely. It's not a heavy cigar, I'd say, probably mm -hmm. maybe light to medium, but the flavor that's coming from it is just, it's mesmerizing. It's magnanimous. Magnanimous. <laughs> and this was, a, this was a full-bodied cigar in its day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This was uh, one of the stronger ones out there. I think with this uh, rum that has a lot of uh, honey and mm -hmm. vanilla. Yeah. There's uh, a nice there's a nice little floral note on there on the nose. I think it is bringing out some sweetness in there. But the pairing, the it, it's, again, with another rum. And it's the rum is so smooth and creamy as well. And yeah. that sweet note that's in there is, is helping that cedar note come through the cigar. It's... You know, both of these cigars that we've smoked are really making me appreciate the the importance yeah. of the packaging. Yes. You know, you, you can't, you don't want to, we're experiencing the fact that, you know, tobacco, and we've said this before on the show, you know, it will absorb the aromas and flavors that, you know, it comes into contact with. And so whatever wood or packaging you decide to use is going to long-term impact the cigar. Mm -hmm. And I'm really appreciating the cedar packaging that, that this is in, uh, you know, it, now that le leads me to ask, I mean, why it, it was cedar originally picked for, you know, most boxes are made out of cedar, right? Would, uh, I'm not sure nowadays. I know there, there's been a shortage on cedar. Mm -hmm. Cedar's hard to come by, and a lot of times it, they, they'll use different style mahoganies that look like cedar. Uh, but originally they were selected for, they were natural uh, insect deterrent. Right. And um, I'm sure, you know, the flavor and enhancement is... Uh, had something to do with it. I know Christian Aroa and uh, the cigars he makes today uses fresh cut Spanish cedar. 
which on the really, box, right? On the yeah. box. You yeah. can smell it when you're walking by the yeah. CLE section. Yeah. It just slaps you and in you the face. And you can taste it in every cigar. Yes, mm-hmm. you can. It's uh, That's right up my alley. He makes great cigars. Yeah, one, one of my, you know, in favorite stories from talking to Nelson Alfonso, who does the Byron and Atabay, is, you know, in his aging room where he, you know, his cigars are aged in a ridiculous way for long periods of time, but he has multiple kinds of cedar in the room. And some of the cedar is there for the aroma and for the cigars picking it up. Some of it's there for pests, but not all of the cedar is like you were saying, legal to get, Mm. it can't get anymore. So he would, he looks for furniture that's made of the cedar that you can't buy anymore. Wow. Strips it, chips it and puts it in the room. Oh yeah. You know, that's and cool. I just think, and that's just talk about, you know, what do you want this chair for? I, I'm going to turn it into chips, stick yeah. it in the <laughs> yeah. aging yeah. room. And, for, you know. and then yeah, he also, a box for $700. Yeah, he also told me about how he would empty out those uh, humidors and resand the cedar mm-hmm. to open it up to again. Open it back oh, okay. up again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that man is nuts. He does things I don't, I haven't heard anyone else do in the cigar industry with age and stuff. Um, let's talk about the, the, um, you know, right now the PCA trade show is still planning on going on this summer in July at the Sands. Um, are you planning on being there for that? Absolutely. We're planning on it. It's uh, not easy to plan for. No. Logistically. It's tough. You know, I haven't flown since uh, it's been all, about 11 months, uh, which is kind of rare. And uh, I don't know what to expect. I don't have any tickets bought. I don't have uh, any arrangements on, you know, accommodations. It's, it's going to come up soon. You know, we're planning projects in the factory, and uh, it's, it's actually going to be the 15th year and anniversary of uh 724 in my possession okay so we have some special things planned for that event for that and uh with the intention of showing it showcasing it at the Mm. pca trade show this year now you know how how important you think it is kurt for the industry for this thing to actually happen this year last year everything kind of collapsed you know all of the all of the normal trade shows had to shut down because of covid and everything and i think you know you've seen some again do that this year and the pca i think is is really trying hard to make this happen because i think there there really is something about meeting in person and that that is you know, as as much as virtual herfs and virtual meetings have kind of blown up all over the place, you know, it's there's nothing like getting together, and having industry guys get together and to to share your stuff and show what's going on, and I think that's important. I mean, how how important do you think it is for the industry for this to happen? Well, from a standpoint of being a retailer and the standpoint of being a manufacturer or a brand owner. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important. I believe last year would have been my 23rd 
trade show to go to. I, I don't wow. believe I ever missed one as a retailer. Mm-hmm. The last several of these years, I went as a brand owner, mm-hmm. and I wear both hats there. But I believe it's very important, and I've preached this over the years, of the relationships that you build throughout the years at going to these trade shows is unlike any other opportunity to do so. So whether or not you're spending five days in Las Vegas and you're eating breakfast next to fellow fellow retailers or some manufacturers over here at nighttime, you're having dinner and drinks and cigars and you get an opportunity to mingle and share ideas, you know, it's huge for a retailer, Mm. but from a brand standpoint, in order to launch a new brand or a new series or anything new, you know, you really got to be able to get in front of all these people. You got to be able to show it off. You got to mm-hmm. get it in people's hands. Mm-hmm. You got to be in front of the press because that's another big thing about it is uh, there's press from all over the world there. So you get an opportunity to speak with them, uh, showcase your stuff, show off your new products, uh, your old products get the information out to the world about what you're offering Mm. and that's another big part of it you know i wouldn't miss one ever you know i hear a lot of people say i'm not going this year it's not this year in particular but in years right right you know i'm not gonna go it's at the wrong time of the year or it's this or it's that or it's too hot it's too expensive but you know the investment that you make in going to these shows is well worth the return for the long run and uh especially in the relationships you build yeah I, I i think for you know i often hear the well i'll use the word excuse you know that you know summer's the big time i can't leave you know if it was in winter when you're dead and your store is not making any money that's a bad time too i mean is there there's never really going to be a convenient Mm. like a painless time for you to to go but uh, there really is something amazing about these events mm-hmm. that uh you know like you're like you're saying you're never going to be able to rub shoulders with other retailers or or manufacturers like at events like that and I, I think they're really important to have um yeah that time at the lunch table in the middle of the trade show floor when you're sitting across from a retailer that you've never met before mm. and sharing experiences sharing ideas sharing i've I've learned a lot that way but then the the next year you go back and there's jim and you get to talk to him again Mm -hmm. and you share those more ideas or you know experiences or how things worked and then throughout the years as we become part of different organizations from the pca the taa Mm -hmm. the tpe the you know does the cigar industry industry have like an acronym panel that they come up Mm. with all this stuff (laughs) it's amazing to me yeah um are you planning on uh maybe starting a a dixon flannel vault Well, I have a little ball. <laughs> I was going to say, I think something's already started. And as I looked at my closet this morning, and there was uh, a lot of Dixons, 
and they're mm-hmm. all a size large, but on one side of the closet, uh, they might not have been large as it fit me because they were uh, they were not mine. They were uh, they had a red tag for the the gals version, and uh, but uh, I do enjoy uh, quality, and uh, that's what's brought these shirts out, which I tend to become my uniform. It's rare not to see you in flannel. True. Mm-hmm. Um, fun. Yeah. Dave, what are you thinking about the uh, cigar and the pairing right here? Uh, the cigar is remarkably smooth and creamy. Um, I feel like it's intensified as it's gone down. Mm-hmm. I think I finished like almost half. Um, the pairing is also really going really well with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm yet again astounded. Look at that. Uh, Paul is not here, so um, I'm going to pick up the mantle and do a segment, something we've started recently called uh, uh, Is Paul Just Blowing Smoke? But uh, today it's Is Dan Just Blowing Smoke? Excellent. And yeah, thank you, Paul. (laughs) And um, what we're going to do is I have five questions here, and it's a true and false thing. So is it blowing smoke or not? And I want each of you to answer these and uh, I want to see we're gonna this is a scoring thing so we're gonna see who gets the most points one point for each question all right all right so here's the first thing is this just blowing smoke or is it not just blowing smoke the phrase close but no cigar you've heard that right Mm. close but no cigar originated when a cigar was a prize at a carnival game i would say true or false i would definitely say that would be true i would i would go true it sounds it sounds true to me sounds true to you why does it sound true to you um because it's the united states and prizes in the united states in the early 1900s you would probably have a cigar as a prize that's, that would be my that would be my guess. What what about you, Kurt? True or false? I would agree with Nick. True. True. That's like the fir- the first time I can ever remember hearing that is from like you know, somebody at a stand saying it, you know, at a at a carnival or something like that. I was at. That's the first time I ever heard it. So I'm gonna say yeah. That is correct. It's true. Mm-hmm. True. So you each you each have a point. Nice. All right. Uh, here's the next question here. The Spanish cedar used inside humidors today is actually kiln-dried to prevent bleeding of the sap. True Uh, or false? False. 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 (laughs) I'm going to say true. I think it might be air-dried. But I'm going to go with kiln dried. Kurt, you are correct. Wow. That is true. Bing. Solve <coughs> Kurt's problem of drippy sap on his cigars. Cedar is kiln dried. Kiln dried. Kiln dried today. All right. Third question. So Kurt's ahead. Kurt is ahead. Kurt's ahead. All right. I'll be surprised if, if Kurt misses this question. <laughs> In the late 19th century, 
Ooh. That would be the 1800s. Yes. In the late 19th century, there were just about 10,000 operating cigar factories in Pennsylvania and New York alone. I would say that would be true. I would also concur that there was a lot. You know, if you think about that number, 10,000, it's because there was a lot of factories. Mm -hmm. But 10,000 in two states is what you're saying. Yes. Pennsylvania and New York, 10,000. They're both big states. I'm pretty confident it's yes, but I'm going to say it's false. There might have been 8,000. It's true. New York, 10, New York and PA are, New are York and huge PA. states. Huge. huge states. Those right. were back in the 1800s. New York was, it was New York. I would think would be um, New York. New York and Boston were, as far as this side of the Mississippi, were huge oh, yeah. cities, and there were huge cigar pipe smoking citizens and and that in those areas huge cigar huge i knew better but i was kind of <laughs> going with the rod's rod's guessing uh, he's our uh, canadian listener and uh he's saying Eight. true yep. and uh so he's a, so you're all tied now we're all you all you all got two all right. points excellent all right uh Question number four. A thimble can hold more than 1,000 tobacco seeds. True or false? Dave. I, I, I think that's that's true. You think, think that's true? very small. That sounds, that sounds right to me. This is a, this is a tobacco well, maybe university maybe question. I could be wrong, though, because maybe it's only 100, but no. it's, it's, in a lo- it's in a lot amount. It, it's in a, is, it's in a lot amount? It's in a lot amount. It is a lot. <laughs> it is a large amount. Is that where you got that nickname? Wait Nice. So what was the question? Repeat the question, please. True or false? A thimble can hold more than a thousand tobacco seeds. True. Absolutely true. I know that for a fact. Okay. True. 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 Uh, I was in. uh, They're very small little seeds. Incredibly small. Um, They. It was in uh, Tobacconist University Mm -hmm. doing that comparison. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. This is this is the longest one. The fifth is the longest one, and it's the most outrageous. Ooh. Okay. I like outrageous. The word stogie comes from the town of Conestoga, Pennsylvania, where, and that's in Lancaster County, and and um, the wagon, the Constantoga wagon, you know, would take families west in the 1800s. And the leaders of those wagon trains often smoked long homegrown cigars and the cigars became known as stogies because they were smoked by the guys who drove the constants the the constant stoga wagons true or false that's wacky i could have made it up true 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 because why because it's a 50-50 question. <laughs> it sounds pretty uh Sounds pretty cigars educational. Cigars have like a lot of story to them, too. So. They do. It sounds like a good story. It sounds like it would be true. 
It sounds like it would be true. It sounds like uh, there's some merit there. I I say true. You're going to say true. true. Yes, You're going to say true basically because you're trying to use the odds of... It's 50-50. It's 50-50. What do you think, Kurt? I think I'm going to let Dave answer first. (laughs) 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 All right, well... I, I'm 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 a romantic, so I'm gonna say yes. You're it's a true. romantic. I love stories. Okay. Okay. So, so Dave's me, romantic, so he's gonna say yes. For <laughs> me, that sounds pretty good. Uh huh. It sounds very true, but I'm gonna have to say that's false. I don't believe the whole. I be, I believe maybe the area, but not the whole. Stogemeisters. Stogemeisters. <laughs> And I'm going for the win. All right, that's true. Ooh. Oh, it's true. Kurt was love wins. <laughs> <laughs> love wins. Oh, oh. tiebreaker because these guys are tied. That's yeah. true. You got to come up with a question. I have to come up with a question now. All right, uh, let's see. I'll, what? I'll 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 ask a question. Okay. All right. Thank you, thank you for, for the tie. Oh, thank you for saving this me. This is Kurt. for the tie. I only so had excited. five prepared. I'm so All excited. Right, so. Yes. What year <laughs> was? Ooh, uh, that's an easy one. What year was the seven twenty four brand started? Nick, eighteen seventy four. That was easy. That was. I say that like fi- like fifty million times yeah, a day. All right, that was a bad one. Well, Dave was going to say 2006. <laughs> he would have been right, sort of right, right? Sort of right. Sort of. Yeah. Who are we talking well, about? K.A. Kendall or R.G. Sullivan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know it's bad. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Nick, you, you uh, picked a meme of the week. I did. So the meme of the week wasn't anything, uh, you know, crazy or anything. This time it's a little informational on considering the, our current weather condition right now. So uh, it'll be popping up on the screen shortly. There it is. And then we can uh, we can read it off. And uh, I've seen this one before, and I thought it was absolutely amazing. Um, it says, fresh snow absorbs sound. Lowering ambient noise over a landscape because the trapped air between snowflakes attenuates vibration. That's why it gets so quiet when it snows. A little peace and quiet when it's, it snows. It's, it's very, it's very interesting that you you pick something so uh, informational and yes. not sarcastic, crass, bombastic. Yes. Ridiculous. Yes. Well, like I said, I was looking and I saw that, and it's. It's very G. It, it's yes. It's <laughs> very G rated. Very um, G rated. But I thought that would be very, very nice considering our weather certain weather conditions that we are having right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's still snowing pretty good out there. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's gonna take me like eight hours to get home. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking I'd just sleep in one of these chairs. Could do that. Yeah. Nice blanket right here. Yeah, <laughs> wrap myself in a little CLE blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, let's do a would you rather question to uh, end the night here. This for everybody. It's for the win. And uh, uh, we're going to end with Dave because 
he's going to go on about this. So, um, <laughs> is it Star Wars related? No, um, but it could be. Oh, Ooh. would you rather? Would you rather humans go to the moon again mm-hmm. or go to Mars? Ooh, oh, that's easy for me. And this debate is actually going on right now. Man. This, this mm-hmm. Probably the moon. The moon again. You'd rather go to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why? Because it's quicker? Uh, Not quicker, but... Closer? It's... Well, colder. it's not 100%... I was going to say discovered, but I guess it's, it's not 100% explored there. No. We know... We know more about everything else than... 100% of that moon. You know what I mean? So, I would say the moon before Mars. Would you take let's, it for granted? Yeah. Let's let's get 100% knowledge of that moon first before we go to Mars and go somewhere else. That'd be that'd be my my answer on that. Baby steps. What do you think, Kurt? Let's perfect that. You want to have a 724 store on the moon or on Mars? Well, he's going to have uh, both. I mean, I think if I, I think I'd like to see him go to Mars. I don't know a whole lot about this subject other than the fact that we've already been to the moon. I'd like to see them land on Mars and then when they put that 724 flag in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, let's discover something new. Yeah. I'm going to have to reach out to Elon, you know. <laughs> I heard he likes your God. Now, uh, Dave. Mm-hmm. What, what what do you think? Um, it's not for me. It's not a question of what I want to do more. For me, it's a question well, it's of a what would you rather question <laughs> what you logically should do. So I'm going to say the moon because you need a, a, a staging area to go to Mars, and I think <laughs> he knows this. He knows this. So you need a place where you can. It's going. It's a lot easier to launch a ship from the moon to go to Mars than it is for you to escape Earth's gravity and then get to Mars. So if you don't have to deal with all the fuel you need to get out of Earth, and you just launch from 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 the moon, it's way easier. And they already know that there's ice, and like you know, so therefore oxygen that they can use for fuel, so they can gather fuel from the moon and go to Mars. So it's not like they'd have to transfer it from the Earth to the moon. They could just use the moon and go, and they'd get there a lot faster from the moon because there's a lot less gravity to escape from. Yeah, but just that alone, we should go to the moon. Period. It has to happen first. And that, how would how would you take ice and make rocket fuel out of it? That is what you need rocket science for, not Dave. <laughs> but that that's that's. But what you it, said you said fuel is oxygen. The, the so fuel is oxygen. Fuel is oxygen. So if you take you take water and you break it up, you get oxygen. Well, you take water. That's like you know. You, there you go. Well, there's some oxygen in it, but it's not. It's not yeah. oxygen. There's some it's, refinement. It's but there's some refinement. Involved. There's some refinement involved, <laughs> but it's an easy refinement. It's not like well, you they need do that special. on. They do that on nuclear uh, nuclear subs. Uh, they take the seawater and they um, it's like electrolysis, and uh, they run the seawater through it and it creates oxygen. Is that the yep. same thing they do to get rid of your hair? No, it is not. Oh. <laughs> different electrolysis. <laughs> That's a little bit different. Ow! Well, if my friend Sahil is watching, maybe he could you know respond in the because uh, he he's, he is a rocket scientist. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, he might be able to give us some help. So is uh, Mr. Omar. Oh yeah, yeah. Sounds Literally, <laughs> yeah. NASA scientist. Oh my goodness. 
Well, um, some, they say hopefully Mars will not be a no smoking planet. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's a pretty much it for this show. This is going on a little bit longer than than we normally plan. But um, Kurt, thank you so much for bringing all this stuff here for letting yes. me smoke these cigars. Um, this has been a real treat. This cigar has performed no less stellarly than the VSG. You know, yeah. it's a different animal, you know, um, a little bit richer, a little bit bolder. Mm-hmm. Didn't lose its flavor. It, well, didn't lose its strength like the VSG, I think, did. But what happened to that VSG was epic. Mm, yeah. It was it an amazing, it. Yeah. amazing cigar. That's That's something I would certainly smoke again. Oh, yeah. I'll have to start looking for 15-year-old VSGs in uh, small cedar boxes. Good luck. Um, yeah, well, good luck. We actually extract the hydrogen from the water via electrolysis. There you go. Okay, so yes. uh, we don't so, really know what we're talking about, but Dave, you know, wants the staging area for Mars. So ultimately, the goal is Mars. Ultimately. Ultimately, the goal is Mars. But you need to go to the moon first. You need to go to the moon first. All right. Now, next week on the show, uh, it is all about the cut and we're going to be talking about how to cut your cigar and we're going to be talking about how to prep your pipe tobacco along with that and we're going to be having that conversation with uh cle's jimmy price mm. who will be here with us and smoking the uh winwood hills unhinged oh, nice. cigar that's a good one and uh we're going to be also smoking gawith hogarth's brown bogey pipe tobacco that's a rope and so there's a lot of prep in getting that ready to put into your pipe. You're going to let that dry out a bit. It. You're going to let that dry out a bit. But we're going to talk about how you uh, like prep that stuff. Sale. Oh, it's, 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 oh, you could, you could hang yourself with that, man. Hang <laughs> on to it. You could string that across your room and hang all sorts of Dixons on that thing. And it wouldn't break. It's, that's some good stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mm. That's next Monday at 8 o'clock. Did you, were you going to say something? No. no, no. It's a it's a pipe thing, so he's not going to say anything about it. <laughs> now that the, the, that's this is it though. This is this is this was your your last all cigar show. Next, yes, you, yep. you said on the last time you were mm-hmm. on, you would try and smoke a pipe with us. I will try it. All right. So next next time I'll burn some hair with you. Guys. You burn some hair. <laughs> we'll give, so now you have three months to prepare yourself. You know. Yeah, sometime in April, get maybe you a pipe, we'll have you back. Yep. We'll do some test runs at the shop. I do have a few pipes. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh, 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 here we I go. I got a few vintage pipes from uh, Ehrlich's in Boston. What? Mm-hmm. All right. That's a total. That's, some, that's someone sounds fair. like a did RG piper. Did RG <laughs> Sullivan smoke a pipe too? I, I not that I know of. Not that you know of. But, I wouldn't doubt it. But... <laughs> I was gonna say, oh, then there would have to be the, 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 the that pull there. But uh, that's it for us tonight. Thank you very much for uh, watching, everybody out there, and be sure to hit the subscribe button on the bottom so you don't ever miss anything and here. Like, and like, like it too. That like would it. be great. Like it. A lot. We'll see you next week, eight o'clock Monday night. Hopefully, it won't be snowing or a blizzard. We'll see you then. That's not just blowing smoke, people. Another day, another smoke. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun 
of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at NotJustBlowingSmoke. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top down smoke.